The cut. The cut. The cut. The cut. The cut. Hannah is one of my best friends from college. And a few years after we graduated, I was going to go visit her. And she was like, I have to warn you, I have this roommate I met on Craigslist. And we're also sort of sleeping together. And I remember thinking like, whoa, Hannah, this is a recipe for disaster. It was a terrible idea. I thought she was cute. I moved in anyway. And six days later, we were together. And now, after four years of living together, Hannah and her forever roommate, Cole, have decided to officially tie the knot. It's a little overwhelming to realize that you're in something that you don't want to ever be out of. And I love their love. I love how they cook for each other after a long day, even though Cole is the professional chef. I love how they care and watch out for each other, even though Hannah is the medical professional. I love how they are endlessly generous and giving to each other and to the friends they invite to the fire pit in their front lawn. I love everything about them, and I am so psyched and honored to be officiating their wedding. Yeah, I can't believe that you are the one that talked me into getting a fancy wedding dress, but here we are. (laughs) What are you going to wear? What do marriers wear? I mean, you know I want to wear the hot priest shirt, but it's fine. I don't have to, but I would love that. (laughs) Hannah and I both went to a very liberal arts school, so it's kind of funny how absolutely amped we both are about this wedding. I think in college I thought marriage should be a seven-year agreement and should be uh, reconsidered (laughs) at regular intervals. Which, for the record, I still think is an interesting idea. But now for Hannah, everything sort of takes on a different sheen, especially now that the Supreme Court is stacked the way it is. I was like, this is an oppressive institution. We shouldn't even be doing this. And it's funny to kind of hold that alongside this real current threat of the right to marry being possibly taken away. And it's strange for my 18-year-old and current self to be kind of holding both of these things of, I don't even believe in marriage and do not take this away from me. There's no denying the very real benefits that marriage affords. I want my partner to have good health insurance. I want it to be as easy as possible for her or both of us to adopt our future kids. So Hannah and Cole were like, all right, as long as we're getting married, let's just do the damn thing. Yeah, I think it's like if we're going to do it, let's do it up. Like a a wedding is the biggest theme party. (laughs) And Hannah is currently planning her wedding. Which, generally, is a stressful thing to do. Well, there's all these wedding planning websites. We used one of them to make our guest list. It's emailing me all the time, being like, have you picked a flower vendor yet? Have you picked a band? Have you ordered your paper suite? Paper suite? What, what is it? It's, it's like the invitation package. And it has to match the save the date. It has to match the thank you notes. So it's asking me to kind of fill in all these boxes and making me feel like I'm already behind on a checklist I didn't even make. Breaking from that package that the wedding industry is trying to sell you is difficult. Once you're in the marriage machine, you have to really work to not have a super normal wedding. And it's not to say we're not doing some of that, but it's active work to break a tradition while holding it up. And then just toss in a pandemic. So you are holding up a tradition that you are also trying to change while making plans that you also might have to break. 
We have about 180 people on a list, and we have not invited really any of them yet because we don't know how many we will be able to have. Um, It's supposed to be next August, and the place is booked, so whether or not it's 30 people or 150, it's happening, as far as I know. And, I mean, who knows what next year has in store? What if they have to get married really quickly? What if it has to be less than 30 people? Like, it could be anything. It would definitely be hard. So we both have big families, and I am worried that people's feelings would be hurt, and it would be hard to choose a small group of people. Would you get married on Zoom? I don't I don't want to because one of the biggest... Uh, one of the biggest things we talked about in terms of, like, planning a wedding was that we don't want it to feel like a performance and having it on Zoom makes it feel like a live streamed performance rather than like a gathering or a party. So it's hard to imagine wanting to do that. No one really imagines wanting to get married on Zoom, but hear me out. This is the case I made to Hannah and the case I want to make to anyone proposing to anyone else this holiday season. Okay, because here's my here's my pitch. Okay. I have this, I think that Zoom weddings are gonna set us all free. <laughs> okay, my case isn't off to a very good start because my video connection cut out when I was trying to tell Hannah that Zoom weddings will set us free. That Zoom will help everyone reconsider the way to get married and allow us to break free from the oppressive parts of a tradition while holding up the parts that are meaningful. I think a lot of people think virtual wedding and they think solution for right now. But I, I actually see it as this is the new way to get married. After the break, I present my argument to Hannah. The five reasons why Zoom will liberate us from the tyranny of the wedding industrial complex. Maybe even in a world without a pandemic. Long, long ago, pre-COVID, Caroline Kreidenberg wanted to start a company. And she's like one of those business-minded people who was actively looking for something to disrupt. Naively, I was like, oh, like, I'm going to democratize the wedding industry. Like, let's make this more accessible for people. Let's somehow disrupt it. And as mentioned, it's hard to upend an industry built on tradition. So Caroline started by creating a virtual wedding planning service and called it Wedfully. The first iteration of what I built was an app for wedding planners. And then when I worked with them, I was like, one, I don't think I would want to work with them. Like, they're very traditional. It's like, feel this fabric, look at this napkin fold. And I was over here like, this is, there's just something off. And then fast forward to the pandemic and Wedfully dramatically shifted their entire business model. They went from being a wedding planning service to a service that offers complete weddings over Zoom. And next thing I knew, we were getting like hundreds and hundreds of people wanting to get married with Wedfully on Zoom. Since March, Wedfully has conducted over 620 weddings. We've done weddings in England, Spain, Italy, Indian weddings. We're doing this really cool Nigerian wedding coming up. Conducting a Zoom wedding, the work that Wedfully does, isn't just sending out a Zoom invitation. It's about emceeing and managing an extremely tight timeline and flow of events. You have to make the event really structured because everyone's like trying to like jump in and say something. 
Caroline has the Zoom wedding down to a science, making sure that the guests are muted, that Grandpa can figure out the link. And Wedfully is also doing all the troubleshooting and AV and sound and switching camera angles. It's a whole lot of stuff. And together, it all works. So we've been able to see, like, all these people's reactions and see, like, this isn't plan B anymore. This is, like, for sure plan A now. Okay, so full disclosure, of course, I have nothing else to compare it to, so who knows? But um, it was seriously amazing. Elisa and her husband Peter got married through Wedfully in May. It was just the two of them and an officiant and all of their guests on Zoom. And I feel like the thing that we keep saying to everyone is just how surprisingly awesome it was. Another pandemic bride, Nekpen Oswan, got married last summer in a sort of hybrid, half-Zoom social distance wedding with a few guests in person. So all of our families are were over Zoom. We had everyone else wear masks. We didn't wear masks. So we had cake and champagne, and that was it. There was, like, no no dancing, really. It was very strange. But weirdly enough, Nekpen also loved it. I'm not having it a wedding that every, anyone else is going to have. Like, my wedding is going to be very unique. Mm. And I like that. And I think that if you're a creative person or if you find yourself wanting to be differentiated in any way, this is an interesting year to try to do that. And people will, like, roll with it because, well, you're crazy enough to even have a wedding. So, like. <laughs> And so, here are five good reasons why getting married on Zoom is a great way to reevaluate and reclaim the entire tradition of marriage and is therefore the perfect plan for my dear friend Hannah. One, elope without eloping. Because millennials are cheap and because millennials like having unique experiences, there's already a rise in elopement planners and elopement photographers to help you bring 10 friends to Iceland for your tiny wedding. But having a wedding over Zoom means you can have that small wedding without eloping at all. Maybe at a place that's significant to you, that's not some random banquet hall. I can name multiple people who are like, now we're just going to like get rid of our big fancy venue. We're going to do it in a, at a brewery. Which is almost exactly what Neckpen did for her wedding. We had the wedding at a cafe that we co-own here in Harlem, which is very oh. amazing. It's so everyone will get to see this beautiful space that we co-own. For Peter and Elisa's wedding, they did it on the roof of their apartment and Wedfully ran the show. Like Peter and Elisa, their apartment is like, so important to them now. It's more than just where they live, it was where they merged their lives. Also, it's kind of soothing to do this big life-changing thing in a place where you already feel comfortable. Everyone jokes like, oh, I just wish I could have like a backyard wedding, but I can't fit all my friends in my backyard. And it's like, well, now you can. Two, the price is right. The average wedding in America is $30,000. $30,000. Even for people who aren't trying to spend a lot, stuff just adds up, you know. The paper suite. And I feel like a wedding became so much about whining and dining and flowers and napkin folds. And inherently, a virtual wedding eliminates all of that. You can focus less on what you're told to focus on and more on what you actually want the day to be about. Which leads to a more sort of existential question. Like, what does this one extraordinarily expensive and weighty day come down to? Neckpen asked this question to a bunch of her married friends. They told me, like, I spent all this money and all this effort, and on the day of, it went by so quickly. <laughs> like, all I remember was the kiss, the dance. People were like, I signed all of these bills to pay vendors. All I remember and have is my 
two or three moments that I remember and then like the pictures. That's, that's all you get from that. So don't even stress it too much. And so with a Zoom wedding, Hannah and Cole don't need to pay for the paper suite or the chair rentals and they can put all their money into the food or a really nice custom suit or the flowers. The flower arches that exist in virtual wedding world are stunning because that's the only decor they have to do. Three, the inner peace of the internet. So I convinced one of my best friends to get married during the pandemic. And then I convinced her to do this virtual wedding. And I had never seen a bride so calm in my life. Like she was just so cool, calm and collected. And she is not a cool, calm and collected person. Okay, so one of the byproducts of the wedding industrial complex is the myth of the bridezilla. And sure, there's a degree of truth in it. Some brides do get really stressed out trying to plan this one very expensive day-long party for everyone you've ever known that has all these moving parts and is going to be extensively documented and is supposed to be perfect and also is supposed to be fun and breezy, so can you blame them? The sexist cliché of the bridezilla insults women for the burdens that the wedding industry has marketed to them. And a virtual wedding is a way out. In the days before our wedding, like we were like playing mushy love songs in the apartment. <laughs> it was so fun. And I kept thinking if this was two days before a hundred person event in Brooklyn, I would be losing my mind. I would be in like back-to-back appointments to like look more perfect. I would be fielding texts from like my out-of-town relatives about like what's the cheapest way to get from JFK to Brooklyn. A virtual wedding also means you don't have to stress out over everyone else's opinions on every aspect of the ceremony. I'll be honest, Avery, I love my mother-in-law. My mother's amazing. Both are super kind and generous women. But like, I think that that made planning this in 30 days so much more feasible. I felt it was a blessing to not have like two moms part of every single decision I had to make for the ceremony. I'm not lying. Four. Consider the guests. For many people who are morally opposed to the wedding industrial complex, one of the big reasons they do get married is because it's a way to bring everyone together as a community. And actually, Zoom is a very considerate way to make sure it's fully accessible thinking about like my 90 year old grandmother who of course was going to get on a plane from Florida and come from the wedding of course but like that's a lot of stress you're not asking your guests to come and sit still and quiet or dance and socialize or book plane tickets or get babysitters or buy expensive dresses not everyone can do all these things my mom wanted my sister who has autism wanted her to have some camera time and say hello because she she would be more still that way Neckpen plans to have a big wedding party bash in Houston in the aftertimes. But the Zoom wedding really made her think a lot more about accessibility and how she's going to plan the Houston party. What does it mean for me to, like, think about care during my wedding? Should we get, like, a caretaker during the day so the families can let loose and enjoy? Do we want to, you know, expand our seating to allow more kids to come in the spring? These are things I hadn't thought about before when I planned the original date. Five. The emotional depth. Caroline says the best Zoom weddings are about the length of a movie. So they're two hours. Usually that's like the time slot we give people. And most of that is not partying. I mean, there is dancing, but it's very, very short. Like less than five minutes, like one song, which is so fun, right? Because then they're like, oh my gosh. But having like a full-blown like 45-minute dance party on Zoom didn't didn't go so hot. (laughs) So rather than the food or the dancing... The vows and the toasts and the speeches become the main event. 
About 10 years ago, Peter uh, asked me to be the best man when he got married. And for Peter and Elisa's wedding, people put extra care into their speeches. A mother will always love her child. That's biology. But to like, admire, and respect your child, that's something else. And sure, sometimes traditional wedding speeches can be a little cringy or a little drunk. But over Zoom, it was pretty clear that everyone really thought about what they were going to say. And they had less stage fright, so they could say it well. And also, all the muted guests were able to react and emote in a really organic way. That sure as hell did. I did not expect to get teary-eyed watching a Zoom wedding of two people I do not know. But there I was, getting misty-eyed as I watched the video of Elisa walking slowly across her roof to Taylor Swift. It was like a love scene from the apocalypse. I was peering through a window into their world. All right, you guys ready? Everyone ready? (laughs) All right. Welcome, everyone. It was genuinely moving. Getting married, no matter how it happens, is a wildly optimistic act. And it's all the more so during a historically shitty time. I felt like this would be a good thing. It would be one positive, joyful, memorable thing. I wanted this year to feel like a good year still. I wanted to just reclaim that in some way. And this moment has opened up a door for truly different ways to get married. And none of these new ways end up feeling any less significant. We don't feel like we need to have, like, a a real wedding. We had our real wedding, and with a fraction of the cost. So we were able to use some of that money to uh, buy a house. Oh, (laughs) congratulations! Sorry, I got too excited and cut them off. But Elisa and Peter spent their wedding budget on their new house. Maybe they'll have a housewarming party one day to celebrate their life together. Maybe Elisa will wear her wedding dress to that party. But their wedding was enough. More than enough. So, Hannah, uh, what do you think? This is why I think Zoom weddings will set us all free. I Truly. Yes. You have a good argument. I feel bad that I'm just like, nope. <laughs> no Zoom. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. But... I I like the argument. I do. <laughs> I do think it takes it could take a lot of the expense and stress out of it for people. You know, we're lucky that we're not in a rush to get married for immigration reasons or because our families are desperate for us to or anything like that. We're doing this for for fun and because we want to. And it almost feels like why even have a wedding without the people? For me, these days the ultimate fantasy fairy tale aspect of a wedding are the guests. What I want is a party with the people I love more than I want flowers and a dress. Those people being with me feels the, like the biggest and most important reason I'm doing this. Suddenly, it's less about having the most unique, the most poetic, the most impactful wedding. I think a lot of the stress that people have is like making sure it's all perfect and COVID has made me feel like whatever this is, as long as it happens, it's going to be great. Even if it ends up being crappy buffet chicken and cheap champagne, even if the invitations don't match the save the date, even if the flowers are from Trader Joe's, and even if I don't get to wear the hot priest shirt, it's fine. It's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Cut Podcast is made by B.A. Parker, Allison Berenger, and me. Mixed and scored by Brandon McFarland. Our executive producers are Stella Bugby and Nishat Kerwa. Special thanks to our counters, Vivian Lay, Sonia Paul, Allison Berenger, Abigail Keel, and Steve Riesenberg. Huge, huge special thanks as well to Caitlin Menza, wedding writer for The Cut and New York Magazine. Special thanks also to my dear, dear friend, Hannah Cressy. Love you so much. Thank you. Thanks as well to Karinza Kadinas, Sangeeta St. Kurtz, and the whole staff at New York Magazine. You can support their work and the show by going to thecut.com slash subscribe. This is our last episode of 2020. Thank you so much for being on this ride along with us. Stay strong, stay warm, stay safe, and we'll catch you in the new year. I'm Avery Truffleman. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.